those things. Um, Addictophone. Just I don't know. I think I don't even know if doctors. Yeah, doctors do use it. I don't know who else. Lawyers. Probably. When I took it into the tech shop today, the guy said, "What is that? What was it today? It was yesterday. I was looking for a lead, and he said, "What is that?" And I tried to be all fancy and say it's a microphone, but then I said, "It's a microphone," and he was like, "What?" Uh, dictaphone. Uh, okay. <laughs> so let's let's start. Cool. Let's do it. Fmi, it's so lovely that we've got an opportunity to record something together and create a little present for mm. ourselves mostly and yeah. for other people who might be interested so they can maybe find some connections in there or something interesting and I think it's so lovely listening to different people's voices not always mm. my own and these last few episodes I've done all on my own I've spoken about each day on this journey that I've taken and I arrived in South Africa nearly a week ago yeah. and I decided to document each day and share my thoughts as if I was writing a diary mm. but speaking to a microphone, not yeah. a dictaphone. <laughs> <laughs> and these are really fancy dictaphones anyway. I've got two on the go just in case one fails. Okay. And my new microphone has a funny fuzz in the background so it's my second option. And the older one, which I've had for years, creates a really nice crystal clear sound. And it's almost like a guitarist using their favorite old beaten up guitar. Mm, compared to a new one. Yeah. yeah. It's somehow got its feeling and it's broken in and it sounds mm. really good. So I've been speaking mostly on my own and I'm delighted to be able to share this with you. And for us, it's spending an evening together having a bit of fun and I'm sure you've never had an evening like it and no I haven't I find every time I do one of these if I'm with a friend or on my own or I've done some with Joe my wife and when I when I'm finished I always feel really uplifted and really happy like I've made a painting or written a story or something mm. it's a lovely feeling and I hope that you'll be able to share that with me today. How, how are you feeling about doing this? So, I mean, you spoke to me about about it um, a while ago, not not that long ago, but um, I thought I'm not going to prepare too much. I just thought, you know what, as, as the heart speaks, that's what I'm going to say, because I'm sure um, questions and, and things will jog the memory. So, and that's, that's how I tell the story. Yeah. That will go perfectly with this podcast because it's called What's in Your Shed and it's based on that Cranberry song What's in Your Head Yeah. and a shed is a metaphorical thing. I keep saying that. You don't have to have a shed and I don't want my shed to be synonymous with this man cave idea that, you know, the man retreats to his shed. That gives me the creeps. I hate that. <laughs> I want my shed to be all-encompassing to for everyone to join in and that allows me to actually move out of the shed 
and sit with you here in Johannesburg in South Africa. That's amazing. Our, what's in your shed is what's in your head and we're about to share all those lovely ideas with each other. Awesome. You were very happy for my mum and I to go off and leave you for a couple of days yeah. and spend some time with each other in Scottborough and we returned today and now I get to spend some time <laughs> with you which is cool and the topic I wanted to talk about was your experience of growing up in South Africa you come from a Greek family you are Greek yeah. would you consider yourself Greek or South African? So from a country point of view I would consider myself South African but my roots my inheritance my my traditional inheritance I would say that's I'm Greek yeah I would say I'm Greek I I really value my culture my Greek culture but um you know if you if you're in a country that celebrates the the uh, culture it's easier to follow and it's easier to be a part of it so I think you know you don't often get together with Greeks like in your own environment here in South Africa unless you actually belong to a Greek club which I'm not really keen on doing but um, yeah just to answer your question I'd say I'm a Greek South African <laughs> very nice I've never asked you that before now I have the answer which is great and I was thinking to get some stories from you or find out from you about, like I said, your growing up early years and even now in South Africa. And I'm aware that your parents owned a, I think in England they call it a corner shop. Yeah. In South Africa, a cafe. Yeah. And we've spoken about sweets before and I know you've worked in the shop before. And I'm fascinated by the stories about you in that shop. And I know you've told me some of them before, but I think now's a great excuse to hear <laughs> the full detail. I okay, know it all. Okay. And we've connected in so many ways. We've connected in quite a few of the very early episodes I did where I spoke about objects. I spoke about the Russell Spinner yo-yo, the Coca-Cola yo-yo. Mm-hmm. And I knew you knew those yo-yos. <laughs> And I bet you anything you could do around the world or rock the baby or any yep. of those moves. And I bet you, you saw the, the Coca-Cola black yo-yo. You had all the special edition stuff. You probably served customers who came in with those little liners from the lids to collect them. Or maybe you gave them the piece of paper that they had to stick them on and then post it off to get the yo-yo and yep. all of that stuff. And we've discussed the types of sweets we we ate together we both love sugar I think less and less now yeah I'm finding as I'm getting older I'm just not enjoying sugar as much I save it for a treat although saying that I bought a top deck Cadbury's top deck which is a South African version of of a Cadbury's chocolate but the mint version I've never seen it as a mint one okay and chowed the whole thing (laughs) on the way to Parkhurst today I went to a shop in Parkhurst quickly and I came back and on the way back I was so excited I found this shop and on the way back I ate the 
the whole thing. A big slab. Yeah. And I haven't had chocolate in a while. Mm. So, yeah, every now and then I, I have a little binge and I, I go for it. But it was worth it. Make it worthwhile. Yeah. And we hopefully we're going to find out loads about, you know, the whole culture of these shops in South Africa. And I've had my experiences of them, but I've never spoken to an insider. Obviously, I've spoken to the shopkeepers when I've been in. Mm. And they, for me, they were the best places to go. I freaking loved them. I loved going down there and playing the arcade games. And I loved, you know, taking my pocket money and buying sweets or buying Portuguese rolls, they called them. Yeah. And all of those things. And I don't want to carry on too much talking about it because I know you've got the, the knowledge and the information <laughs> I need. And in front of me on the table, I've got a paper bag and it says Crunches, Devon's oldest sweet shop, established Sulcombe, 1869. And this is in Sulcombe, South Devon. And I went there with my family recently and of course the kids saw the sweet shop I saw it too and we went straight in and it, it's a magical place the smells of that sugar and I'm sure mm. you're going to be able to describe <laughs> to me the different smells inside yeah. that cafe yes and we went in and I had to buy these things that are in this bag and I'll show you what they are and of course this paper bag with these lovely pink stripes it yes. looks like a very traditional that. bag I love it and inside the bag, Ooh. look at this. That is fireball. Oh, oh yes, breakers. okay. I remember these. Yeah. Yeah, we used to have competitions with these, um, depending on the on the strength, you know, of um, how much you could take. So you would sit around, and each each friend would grab a fireball, and whoever could keep it in their mouth the longest, it was like almost, you know, you're the hero of that moment. Yeah. <laughs> But I reckon they're probably not as hot as they were because I remember them being... Being hell hot. They yeah. were hot. Yeah. Yeah. And Well, you actually had to take it out your mouth and just hold it a bit. Yes. And your fingers used to go white from it. Yeah. <laughs> a real challenge. Yeah. So maybe that's the kid's version of lining up a few shots on the bar and seeing <laughs> who, you, who can take it. But I saw the jawbreakers and I thought, no way. I mean, you must have sold those in the shop. Yeah. And then the other one is the sour jawbreaker. Okay. You know the super sour yes. ones? Those are green. Yeah. These came out after these, if I remember correctly, not at the same time. So it was first the fireballs, and then these came out. Yeah. And they were also... Um, but I quite enjoyed the fireballs. That was more the challenge. Yeah, you thought you had achieved something <laughs> yeah. with those. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, it is man, awesome. I, I can't imagine working in a cafe where you sell sweets and a, a full box, a sealed mint conditioned box of, of these things arrives. What was that like when you had access to all the new stuff that came in? Well, it was wonderful, but I mean, um, yeah, let, let's try and share the, the, um, the naughty details. And uh, I mean, I basically... Uh, I always say I ate all my dad's profits from the shop because, um, I mean, I lost all my teeth. I had to have all my teeth removed because uh, they basically were going rotten because, yeah, I mean, I loved sweets. And uh, being in a shop, 
you know, parents can't watch you 24 hours a day. So, um, yeah, small, you know, small, love to eat sweets and candy and this type of thing. Um, suckers, you know. And we used to call them things like, um, you know, suckers. We used to have, I used to love the, the I, I don't know if you remember, but Kojak that was on TV, uh, yes. Telly Savalas. He was like a Greek private investigator with no hair. He was yes. bald. So they used to make these these uh, um, suckers, which were red. I used to love those. And, you know, as a kid, you would eat suckers and maybe um, suck on, on, you know, these hard-boiled sweets and whatever. But we used to call, I, I grew up, my father's shop was... Well, not my father. Our family shop, rather, was um, in a place called Rudaput West, which is on the West Rand, um, sort of the lower part of, of um, South Africa. And, um, yeah, he, like every typical Greek, um, it was our, our traditional, not tradition, but our culture, that whoever sort of was born in Cyprus which is where my family comes from it's a little island between Turkey and Egypt um, they they wanted to give a better life to their parents so they would send the parents would send their children to South Africa and then they would try and earn a, a living here and then obviously send money um, overseas and it was just Greek people uh, in general, and this is not a, it's not a, it's a compliment to my culture, are very hard working. And when they came here, they um, got into the, the cafe business, and as we would call it, the cafe business, which usually consisted of um, you get a shop and you open up a takeaway, meaning you sell fish and chips. And it's no UK fish and chips. It's like slop chips, so which is loose, yeah. loose chips, like not crispy chips. Yeah. Um, and you just poured vinegar and salt on it. You had to sort of half choke yourself to death with the vinegar. <laughs> well, the smell. <laughs> yeah, the smell. Yeah. Um, and fish. But we also sold oh, many things. Uh, Russians, uh, which Russians, is like a sausage. Yeah. Okay, close to... You, not really chorizo, but sort of not not that hot as chorizo, but it's more like a pork-based mm. sausage uh, with quite a bit of fat in and viennas, you know, that you would have hot dogs with. Um, and that was that was really we our that was our bread and butter. Mm. So there's a standing joke that says you can't. And funny enough, it always used to be on the corner of a building that we used to open these shops, you know, the Greeks. Great location for a shop. The corner yeah. site is always the yes, best. Yes, exactly. You get trade from both sides. Everyone can see two lots of windows. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the standing joke about um, giving a Greek, uh, don't give a Greek a corner in, in soccer because they might just open a fish and chip <laughs> shop. <laughs> so, yeah, um, when it was penalty time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was just, uh, my, my parents had the shop for 42 years. Wow. And the same shop for 42 years. What was it called? Pioneer Cafe. Pioneer Cafe. Yeah. Yeah, and don't ask me where the name came from. It just was there. And They were pioneers. 
<laughs> almost. Yeah. So, yeah, and we had it for 42 years, and that's basically where I grew up, um, in the shop. And what um, time did the shop open in the morning? So the the way that it worked is, you know, in the morning my dad would take me to the bus stop at about half past six, um, and then by seven o'clock he would then have to open the shop. And then we would go all the way through to nine o'clock at night. Um, yeah, and it was it was the community that, that was based in that area was mainly Afrikaans, um, but it was um, a genuine community, you know, and for my parents to actually come from um, Cyprus where they never spoke English to South Africa and, um, you know, by the time they actually um, retired they could both speak or even before that they could speak English and Afrikaans and you know some some African languages as well you know just to communicate because the area was predominantly Afrikaans speaking people um, and mostly colored people and black people that was just the do demographics yeah. of the area and there was a need so if you could communicate with your customers or understand what they needed yeah you you could sell more and you could become more involved with the community find Correct. out what they want yeah so my my dad used to like to have a drink or 15 oh. <laughs> and um there was a, a a sports club just across the road so the cafe was on the corner and then on the next corner was a big uh, field um, a sports field and there used to be a bar there part of the sports club and um, my dad used to always um, donate chips and hamburgers and whatever mm -hmm. to especially when it was like a baseball game or a soccer game um, and then afterwards they would say you know and my dad's name was um, Johnny they used to say Johnny don't you want to donate something you know for the kids and he always used to give always used to give and they just loved it yeah so oh, yeah it was I nice. bet you that was the heart of the community. I mean, obviously there would have been the church or wherever else, but I'm sure it meant a lot to a lot of people. <clears throat> yeah, it I'm, did. I'm wondering if people are talking about that place even now. I'm sure they would be. Well, I think um, I think a lot of the people in that area, um, you know, the adults, my dad could relate to those people. He, he and my mom, they, they, it was so, they, the customers were almost like our duty to keep them satisfied. Um, we saw that as a service to them. And yes, you get difficult customers. Um, and especially when, you know, economic times are tough, then people question everything, the, the price of the bread and the price of everything. But at the end of the day, I think they knew that that my parents were honest and that they would help in I any way that they could. Mm. Um, so it was just, it was a, they served, they served our area and I think the area respected them. Yeah. You know? So it was actually quite, quite nice. And those people, um, doesn't matter of where they came from, or what color they were, they became our friends. Yeah. And that's just how we, we grew up. It, I think it was easier in those times making friends and it is, as an adult because as a kid you just get on with everybody and yeah. yeah I mean if you see customers every now and then I mean I I'm, I'm, I don't live you know where we used to live but 
um, still on the West Rand and you you sometimes see people at a, a shopping center and they don't call me Ephemia. They all, they they call me Johnny Sakint, which means Johnny's child. Yeah. So they always relate, you know, my face um, to the past and, you know, the shop. Mm. And it's, yeah, I don't have a name. <laughs> I'm, I'm just my dad's child. Have you been back to the shop? Do you know where it is? Have you seen the site of it? So I haven't been for a few years, and the reason why I haven't is on purpose. I, I, um, I want to remember our shop the way that we had it. And um, when, when we decided to actually sell the shop, it was when my dad became quite ill. Um, and as a family, we took the decision to sell it. Um, and shortly after that, he actually passed away. Um, but, um, you know, to, to just know that we actually put our whole lives into that building and into uh, the, the community there and to go back, we actually sold it to some people and then they sold it to other people and the stories that I've heard are, are not that great, you know, and it, it will never be, you'll always judge uh, your previous job or your previous business, you know, um, compared to what you had it, you know, and uh, I didn't want to go back. It's too sad. Yeah, yeah I understand. I, I, I'd rather just live with those memories. Yeah, yeah. Look, it wasn't all honey and roses. Um, I used to hate working in the shop sometimes um, because as I got older and in high school, um, you know, you want to be with your friends over the weekend and then you have to work in the shop and it just really didn't do it for me. So I try, I was, I try to break away a bit, but um, the priority was the family business. Mm. You know? So, yeah. And did everyone take their shifts in the family did, or did you end up having to just come in yeah, the day or was there a rota? So basically what happened is my... My dad used to open the shop and then my mom would come at about 12-ish and then he would take a bit of time off and she would work until about 6, 7 o'clock at night. He would come back on shift and then close at 9. Um, but um, as we got older, we got more involved, especially my brother. Um, he, you know, he was the only guy in the house and I think um, he took it upon himself to sort of be the person that would take over from my dad and mom but he had his own job you know so and he he had his own studying to do etc and um, he's you know um, five, six years older than what I am and my sister's seven years older and my sister wasn't that involved in the shop because she left she went to Cape Town to study um, nursing so it was basically me and my brother but he's the one that that really stood by my parents and you know took over and um, worked with him quite mm. a bit. But I used to hate it when he used to ask me to try you know to come to the shop, like especially on a Saturday, because he had you know he maybe wanted to go out and socialise or had a commitment. I just used to hate it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> used to cause friction. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine. interested in who did all the cooking for the takeaway did you do that so we all um, we all had degrees <laughs> in takeaway and you know what people might think it's it's not it's very simple and it's not an art 
but it actually is it's I wouldn't say it's an art like making sushi but it's an art because when a customer walks in and um, they want slop chip slop chips which is you know um, not crispy chips or they want crispy chips you would have to know exactly how to make them yeah and I promise you people are very fussy when it comes to chips so we all got to know and I, I mean we all at a young age my siblings and I knew how to to do it and you would always have to ask listen do you want salt and vinegar do you want how much you know yeah. so th they would say no just some salt but lots of vinegar or the other way yeah. around etc so um, there, there is a bit of an art to it and there is a bit of an art to wrapping it you know because you would have this white paper it's almost like wax paper that you would put your chips on and then there would be like a brown uh, paper that you would wrap it in mm. um, you know nowadays some people use newspaper but we used to have proper like brown wax paper and proper you know mm. white wax paper so there was an art in it well street food has become really popular I know in the UK I'm not yeah. sure about here where kebab vans are winning awards you know for the food that they deliver or they, they make yeah so a kebab van will make chips and some of them will have some fried chicken most of them will have a big lump of meat on a yes spinning uh, like rotisserie type yeah. of thing and it spins yeah and this meat is all reconstituted it's not like proper chunks I've seen the chicken one where there's actually like lumps of chicken breast all mm. packed together and they, they use like a shaver thing and they yes. shave the meat off yeah. and they, they put it inside a pita bread and you can have garlic, mayo, chili, blah, blah, blah. Like it's a, what we call, I don't know if you call it that in the UK, but it's like a shawarma. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. And street food, like I said, is very popular and a local chippy has opened down the road for us down the road from us it's called i think it's called harris's fish and chip shop and you can see they've got a technique and it's it's not easy i don't think and they keep measuring the temperature of the oil and correct they've got to do it just right and yeah. i mean any food preparation even making a sandwich you can put your own style on yeah. it but how do you make the chips slap okay so basically your um so you're speaking about you're talking about the the oil temperature that's yeah. that's extremely important okay because you could if the oil's too cold you're going to put the chips in and they're going to fry a little bit but it, they're actually going to be oily and soft which is not what you want mm. um so chips should never be oily whether they're crispy or whether they slop okay yeah. <laughs> um they should be, if it's crispy, either way, it shouldn't be oily. And your oil's got to be fresh. So what I mean by that is you actually, you can use your oil the whole day, okay, but then you've got to change it for the following day. And that's a secret because if you don't do that, you can actually taste it. Okay, maybe, maybe the, the layman can't, but because of us working in the shop, you know, and we had we ate our, our chips. You know, mm. so you would you would know, um, and it was extremely important that you would change that oil every day, so that the new batch would then um, you would actually start up fresh again in the morning. So slop chips you don't actually fry as much as crispy chips. 
But so you, it's, there's, there's also a technique where you put it in the basket, okay, the chips that are sliced. There's a machine that actually slices it for you. Yeah. Uh, you can get a lot of muscles from that. So, did you um, get lots of muscles? I did, I did. Um, yeah, it's actually quite a process. So you would have a peeler. Um, so you throw the potatoes in with the skin. It would, you know, just juggle them all around with a blade inside. Yeah. And um, it would, you would then open up this peeler and you would have these potatoes that are peeled. A machine that peels potatoes. Yeah, so it, it's almost like a concrete mix, mix, mixer. Yeah. It looks like that. But so it would just mix almost the potatoes, you know, shovel them around. Yeah. And then it, um, when you open it, it actually is a potato that's peeled. That's magic. Yeah, it is magic. And then you take the potato, okay, it falls into water, into a basin of water. You take that uh, potato and you, you put it under, it was a, a chopping machine, but it was, it almost looked um like a gambling machine you know those slot machines one on bandits one on bandits there we go so imagine a um sort of a a, a other round piece of metal with little squares yes okay little little squares well to make up the chip size and you would put your potato there and you would take your one arm bandit and you would just squash it mm. and it would fall through those uh, those holes those squares and that would fall in the water, you would have to soak the starch out. Um, and the better, st you know, the more starch you get out, the better the chip is. Mm. Dry them out, and then that's where you would start your process. So crispy chips, longer in the oil, hot oil, okay, so they can cook and get crispy. Yeah. And then slop chips, also hot oil, but not as long. So you'd have to lift the basket, check it out a bit, see temperature-wise, and put them back in. Yeah. Or, yeah. You must have got burnt by the oil every now and then. Yes, I did. Yeah, because it. I mean, depending on 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 the oil heat. Um, I mean, sometimes you forget to switch the the thing, but you know the temperature lower, so you'd stick the chips in and it would just fly. Yeah. So I remember my parents had a lot of uh, little black blisters and you know from the oil. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, my dad actually from all the years actually had a groove in his one finger. Um, where he used to lift up the chip basket. He actually had a groove wow. in his finger that developed yeah, from the, the handle of the basket. He must have lifted that basket a lot of times. Yep. Talking about those chip cutters or the potato cutters, I went to an In-N-Out burger in, it was in Utah. It, it's a fast food place that originally started on the west coast, I think California. They were only there. And they really are a famous takeaway place. I think people after the Oscars, all these actors will take photos of them eating in in and out and they'll put it on Instagram and all of that stuff. And it's a place, if you go to that part of the world, you should visit. And they've expanded recently and they've gone into Utah. And I did a bit of work in a university in Idaho and Utah's just south of it. And I drove down on my way to Las Vegas and stopped at an In-N-Out and you can see them using that machine you've described where they cut the chips, the freshly cut chips, yes. I think that's their selling point. And to contrast that in kebab vans, I've seen them pull out a bag of pre-cut mm. chips that I think they buy it from a wholesaler already cut. Yeah, already. I, I think our chip shop down the road, Harris's, do that. 
But I think there's something really nice about seeing those chips getting cut. Like yeah, that. It, um, it's uh, if you're having a bad day, it's good for stress levels because yeah. you just pull that that slot machine down, uh, that lever down. But I think it's just the whole the whole preparation of it from the beginning of the product to the end, mm. and seeing the customer's delight in your product. And I think the fact that you're serving fresh stuff. Um, that's quite important, you yeah. know, and they just loved it. That that part of the the area just loved chips. Well, chips are affordable; they're never that expensive, and it's a it can be a proper meal. You put some ketchup on it, or all gold tomato sauce. That's it, yeah. Or chutney, Mrs. Ball's chutney. Ooh, you put that on the chips. Yes, Lovely. yeah, Mrs. Ball's chutney. Yeah. Did you have that? Spice that was dried tomato sauce, pretty much. It was like a red. Yeah, it was chili. It is, was. Is it was a. It was um, uh, like a piri piri yes. type of powder. And you can sprinkle that all yeah. over your chips. Yeah, um, I don't know if you heard of a thing called. Um, it's almost like uh, what we call here in South Africa chakalaka, which is um, basically a mixture of chilies and onion and tomato and all oil based and um, African people or should I say black people because we're all African in South Africa but black people really love that because they like burny food Yeah. and um, there's another thing called acha which is a similar thing um, but it's made with mango and chilies and uh, oil you know and when you open this acha you can actually see the oil, the chili oil floating to the top, so you know it's going to burn the hell out of you. And people just loved it. With a, so we used to, we used, what was very um, popular was people would buy, I don't think it, they actually sell it at shops anymore unless it's a cafe, um, is half a white of, half a loaf of white bread or brown bread. Um, and then you would actually dig out the middle of the bread okay so the soft part and you would be left with a crust outside um, and then you would fill that that hollow piece of bread with your chips and whatever you could your acha or your whatever it was and you just fill it and then you would even add a vienna if you wanted to or whatever <laughs> Um, and that was usually what people ate, especially the day after when they they had a, a, a bit of a, a bubbleus, which is uh, if you had a, a bit too much to drink the previous night. The following day, you would eat that, and that would just take away all the uh, the, the side effects, the after effects of alcohol. <laughs> and and the beauty of that is you can carry it away, and it's self-contained. Yes. In that yeah. Half loaf of bread. In yeah. the previous episode last week's one I spoke about eating a bunny chow and I ate a bunny chow in the Blue Marlin Hotel okay and I didn't really particularly want it that much yeah but I thought I had to being in Natal yes where it originated from, correct yeah and when I read up about it they said that the Indian workers would take their vegetable curries in that into the sugarcane fields. I mean, it sounds like a, a magical story. I read it on Wikipedia. I don't know if it's true. But I it think it is true. Right. Yeah, it is right because that is that is. I mean, the curry is the the basic staple food, 
and that makes sense to take it into you know the agricultural land i mean you've got nothing there you've Mm. only got the fields you're surrounded by the fields and that's what they they carried almost like a plate type of thing i'll put my my food in the bread and yeah yeah, that would keep them going and you eat your plate no washing up no washing up yeah and interesting that they had a vegetable curry and i think we've introduced meat Mm. into those dishes That's so lovely. One more question about the food is how, what fish did you use? Where did you get it from? I mean, I said one more question. There's two there. So what fish did you use? Where did you get it from? And how did you prepare it? Okay, so... Um, Sending into a cookery show. I yeah, okay. That's let's fine. Go. Master chef. Do you want another um, drink? I would love one. Yeah, let's get, let's get a drink and we'll resume. Okay. With Master Chef. So we're back at the table and yes. we're going to resume but I, I just need to say that barking earlier reminded me that I haven't set the scene, I haven't said where we're sitting. We're sitting outside in your garden and there was a dog barking earlier. You often hear dogs, neighborhood dogs, people have them for security sometimes and for pets. But yeah, security and pets. Um, yeah, but it, we live in a, a cul-de-sac, which is sort of uh, a road that comes, you know, to a circle, almost like a circle. And um, you can really hear the, the dogs barking. It's like echo. echo. Yeah. yeah. And then there was a, a gurgling sound behind you when you were talking about the hot oil. Yes. And it made me think that that was like the sound of the oil and I think that's a, a drain, a storm drain behind That's correct, you. it is a storm drain, yeah. And that was bubbling, so I, I like to kind of point out the different sounds. Yeah, okay, that's, that's a helicopter. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a helicopter. Yeah, that's a helicopter. That's probably a security helicopter just flying around looking either for thieves or just uh, doing a security check. Yeah, good. Okay, so before we left to get a drink, I, I was asking you about the fish and the preparation of the fish. Yes. And, and this was turning into a, a master chef episode. <laughs> but I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm just fascinated by the whole thing, the shop. And I also need to know about the, the other bits in the shop. So the, the sweets and the groceries and, you know, what kind of products you stocked and then the entertainment and I know there were some games in it, so we'll <laughs> yeah. get to that, we'll okay. get to that. Okay. But please tell me about this fish, I, okay. I need to know the type, where it was from and how you made it. So um, I don't think, I and it used to be called INJ, um, it's a it's a, a frozen foods company in South Africa, I, I don't think they're international, I think they're South African. Um, so we used to get our, our our rations and our viennas um, and then we used to buy frozen hake from them and I mean in those days hake was much cheaper than what it is now you know um, yes kinklip is is expensive now but hake was also in those days expensive but not as expensive as what it is now it was all relative I suppose so we used to get the frozen fish let it defrost and then my mom um, was excellent with the batter that she made and it used to be we used to put this yellow coloring in it 
Um, so it would consist of flour and milk and eggs and then she used to add this yellow coloring and that's why if you buy fish it's got a, so you used to dip it in in the um, I think it was the flour and then the batter um, and then you would get this yellow coated you know almost luminous coated fish mm. um, and then you would take that let, let the batter run off and then dip it into the oil and it used to just fry and just look magic awesome and the best thing was when it came out of the oil how long was it in the oil for probably about i'd say probably about eight to ten minutes <clears throat> just to you know fry the fish you don't want it overcooked but also to make that batter crispy so that yellow batter would actually be a golden yellow mm. if i can call it that and then come out and there's nothing better then sitting with that hot fish with a couple of chips and just pouring salt and vinegar on that. That yeah. was like, oh, makes my mouth water now. <laughs> Can you imagine having some acha with that? Oh. Is the acha the one with the mango? Yes. Yeah. Is the mango with the sweetness against the chili mm. spice? Yeah. I mean, you could put anything you like with. Yeah, I mean, even mayonnaise or whatever it was. Or another thing is you would put tomato sauce with mustard. To musto. Do you remember you could buy <laughs> it? You could buy a bottle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then that would be awesome. That would be a treat as well. Yeah. Oh, I, I do love fish and chips. I had some the other day from our local chippy. But it was a bit disappointing because I think they left the fish in the oil too long. So dried it out it, almost. Yeah, dried it out. And I like to pull that batter or you, you use a plastic fork or a wooden fork and you you break up the fish and then it's flaky and mm. slippery and soft underneath yeah. not too dry uh, i think they got it wrong just that once i'm i'm not cross with them i mean it was expensive fish and chips is expensive in the uk and i think that's because the price of fish has gone up and fish has become more scarce yeah. because apparently we've overfished which mm. is not surprising they they make you can either have cod or what's the other one? It's, oh no, I forgot. Cod. Ah, oh, it will come to me. I don't know what the soul? other one is. Not soul. I, I think you can probably get soul. But that's not the. Uh, it's probably cod and you know, yeah. something else. It's a white flaky yeah, type yeah. of fish. Oh, I can't remember what the other one is. I, I always do this, but that's okay. I'll, I'll remember it at some point. And that, when I was halibut. No, good <laughs> guess though. We could also, we could do all the names of the H, I think. And I went to Glasgow in Scotland recently to visit my friend, and we went past a cafe, or what do they call it? It's a kebab shop. Yeah. And this one wasn't in a van; it was actually in a shop. And in Glasgow, one of the things apparently you've got to try is a deep-fried haggis. And haggis is that blend of meat wrapped in intestine, intestine, yeah. and like burrowers or sausages. They, mm. If they're not using a fake cover, yeah, yeah. They, they they use the, the intestines, and this is like minced up bits of like liver and stomach. I don't know if liver's in there. I'm sure if anyone's Scottish who's listening, they might be going no. <laughs> So deep-fried haggis, 
and they prepare it in the same way as the fish. They, mm -hmm. I think they might coat it in flour first because that maybe makes the batter stick to it better. And then they put batter on and then deep fry. And they also do a deep fried pizza and they call it a pizza crunch. Okay. So they'll cook the pizza normally. Yeah. And then fold it in half. So it's a half circle. And then flour, batter, and then in the oil. Wow. And then it comes out. So I had a deep fried haggis. My friend, who, it was so lovely, her and her mate came and met my, my friend Greg and I in Glasgow because I knew this girl from work in Oxford and then she moved to Glasgow and she actually does a podcast herself. She's a, she has a PhD in records, vinyl or something. I mean, it's, wow. it's something amazing and she's got, she teaches at a university in London. She goes there once a week from Glasgow by train and teaches and she, her, her name's Carlin and it's her podcast is called Queen Core Podcast and it's about queen energy or the 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 energy that comes from <laughs> if she listens she's probably gonna go what and I do listen to her podcast but it's about mostly she interviews female authors musicians and it's about that queen energy and men can also have it mm. but anyway I don't want to go into too much detail but I found out about her podcast while we we're there and she had a pizza crunch I had a and there's that drain again yeah the, let me just say the drain is actually the next door neighbor's bath water it's oh. actually that you can hear they've just unplugged mm. the bath water and it's like a rumbling <laughs> sound and Greg had he had a deep fried haggis so we had the range of them and then they did fish and chips as well but they also do deep fried Mars bars Ooh! and did you ever experiment with deep no. frying other things other than fish and chips no the only other thing that we but it, it's also uh, I mean food related is what we call the Sputnik what is it wasn't a Sputnik a submarine or a balloon I think the Sputnik in history? was a space shuttle, a Russian was it, what is it, was spacecraft it okay. that went to the moon maybe or went into space. I don't know, we'll have to look that up. But a Sputnik was uh, basically a Vienna and then you would actually mash potato and you would fold the Vienna, um, you would fold the, the mashed potato over the Vienna, so you'd almost make it like a long haggis, if I could, yes, if you could relate the, to the that. The haggis normally comes in a ball, but yes. for the deep fried version, it was, it was a long a, yes. haggis. Yes, yeah. okay. So that's, so it can cook evenly. So yeah. basically it was that, and then it would also be dipped in batter. Um, and it would, you know, so you would have not chips, but you would have almost fried mashed potato. Yes. But it was lovely, it sounds weird, but it was lovely because you would open it up and it would be this beautiful mash, um, but homemade mash, you know, not like that smash that you powdered mashed potato, it would be proper proper squashed uh, potatoes, real potatoes, um, and then you would um, just have that meat, you know, and that coating around it was mm. Mm, nice. That so that was the weirdest thing, but I've heard of 
fried ice cream and all kinds of things where you actually I don't know what they do but they also put almost like a type of a bat or something around ice cream and they fry it and then when you open it it's all soft ice cream in the middle but a bat on the side yeah. on the outside it's incredible like to think how would you deep fry a Mars bar and it's exactly the same way as you would do a piece of fish and the Mars bar melts and gets all gloopy inside but do they dip it in anything first or is it just the chocolate that it's somehow it's the chocolate covered in batter yeah and then the, you get that crispy batter on the outside and I suppose it's not in the oil for very long yeah so it's, it's not completely liquidized in the middle I should have tried one I, I mean I could just about finish the deep fried haggis it was very filling and by the end of it I, I wasn't that keen anymore and I, I did I you have it with something with I mean, chips. With chips. So they serve it in a, a container that you, you walk along and eat it as you're walking along the street. And you drop a few chips on the floor. <laughs> Usually you do that kind of thing when you've left a pub. Yeah. And, and you've had And a you few. need some oil. You need <laughs> yeah. some oil just to base your, line your stomach. <laughs> That's it. It's like that bubble us thing. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Just to yeah. soak up some of that yeah. beer or whatever you've been drinking. So the, the, the shop had lots of sweets as well, so it had the takeaway section which I didn't realise until tonight, I didn't actually know that you made food to take away which is lovely and you also had other stuff what what kind of supplies did you provide okay so i can give you an exact detail of the shop uh, it's embedded in my memory so as you walked in on the right hand side you would get the till we also had a till on the left hand side that we an old till almost like our toys that we used to have in in my days where you would you know those buttons and it would cling, uh, cling, you know, type of thing. And, and the then the register would poof, bang open, bang open yeah, yeah. <laughs> half knock you out. Um, but we had the till, and then behind the till, we would have all our cigarettes. Mm. Um, and we had such a rapport with our customers that we actually knew exactly what they smoked. So when a customer walked in, whether it was a Mrs. Wersthaisen or Mefrau Wersthaisen, um, or whoever it was, we knew exactly it would either be Peter Stuyvesant. I was going to say Peter Stuyvesant. Yeah, <laughs> Peter Stuyvesant. We knew the brand, whether it was mild or, um, you know, you would get uh, business ladies that would come in that usually worked for the bank um, in the town area, and they would come and it would you would see them with high heel shoes and lipstick and, you know, um, and that would be almost like your Cravenay menthol, you know, the long, yeah, thin cigarettes. Right. You know, and they would, you could just imagine them smoking with their long fingernails. and In the office, in the bank, they yeah. would have been able to smoke yeah. at their desks. Yeah, yeah. Well, in those days. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and then we had close to the till and, and the counter area, we had um, the the takeaway section. So we had, you know, the oil, oil fryers and then we had um, a toaster, two toasters where we would make our hamburgers and toasted cheese and tomato, whatever you wanted. Um, and then we would have, we had one, two, 
three, four owls. So the one owl was where we had all the the um, cold drinks, okay, in the fridges, the Coca-Cola fridges. Cream soda. Cream soda, um, Spalletta, um, you know, the raspberry one, uh, Fanta orange, Fanta grape. In, they made Fanta peach. Yes, I remember Fanta peach. <laughs> yeah. So Schweppes, Grenadilla, all that stuff. And then further, just after the cold drinks, you would have the games. And that was my favorite. And then our shop had sort of two sections. So you would have to, once the games ended, the next, almost like there was a big step that you would climb, almost like a meter up, half a meter up. And then that would be another section of the shop, which had our the, gr the toiletries and dog food and, you know, so the pet stuff, toiletries, um, uh, a bit of stationery. And then we had a, a, an office desk there. And I basically wrote or learned for all my exams at that desk while customers would walk in and out and in and out. I learned for my matric exams at that desk. Yeah. It was a big wooden desk. Oh, that's such a lovely image in yeah. my mind. Did people distract you or did you like having that hustle and bustle around you? They distracted me, but it was nice. Yeah. That's just what it was all about. It was just lovely to, yeah, you know, and then they would say, virus hiri, you know, because being Afrikaans, most of the people there, where is this and where is that? And mm -hmm. you'd get up and that would be an excuse to have a break and go and help them, you know. Um, and then, yeah, we had aisles where the bread and the and the Simba chips and the Willard chips, you know, were mm. um, condensed milk, coffee, tea. Um, and then we had where all the frozen goods were. So we had, we used to sell like frozen chickens and frozen uh, bacon and things like that. And also the milk section. So, yeah, that was... That was basically our shop. Did you have fresh fruit and veg? We had a s little stand, um, not too big, probably about one and a half meters by probably a meter, and it was round. It had it was a round stand, mm. so it, it consisted of I think it was three layers. So it was apples, um, bananas were right at the top, ap red apples and green apples. So it was three sort yeah. of tier. It sounds like the shop had everything you needed. It, it was, I mean, not like a massive supermarket, but <coughs> if you needed something like some yeah. soap or toothpaste. Correct. Or you would go there quickly. Or a yeah. pen or a pencil, you could yeah. pop in and get that. Yeah. And I'm curious about the arcade machines or the games, you, you called them. Yeah. And which, which ones did you have in there? Okay, so we, my favorite were the pinball machines. So... Sometimes we, it was a little corner, so it wasn't really a big corner to have a lot of games. So maximum we would have three. So it would usually be two like uh, arcade games um, with little like remote controls, big, you know, big. Uh, if you almost, you, I know you could get those miniature little games like Donkey Kong, mm -hmm. Pac Man, Space Invaders, um, Mario Brothers. So those were the most popular. So I, I could, if I wanted to, because they weren't owned by us. So I could, if I wanted to, there was a, it was, it was usually a Greek guy that used to, they were in the gaming business and they would go to the various shops, uh, cafes and drop off sort of these um, arcade machines and 
That's a car skidding. That's a car skidding, yeah. Welcome to South Africa, Wait people. For the gunshots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they would drop off and pick up and swap the games over. Correct. And they would do like cash ups, and that was my favorite. So when they, after school, I would sometimes, um, you know, walk in and these guys would be there unlocking the machine and all those round 20 cent coins, those old South African 20 cent coins. And I would, you know, I would say to the uncle, the Greek uncle, don't you want to, please won't you just clock me a few games? So there was this little um, lever and he used to clock me games like, you know, 10. And um, I used to then, you know, play, play the whole afternoon instead yeah, of doing homework. Yeah, without putting any money yeah. in. Yeah. I actually have a, a vague memory of seeing a game being rigged like that or... There was a switch at the back of one of them or yeah. something, and what? I remember that happening. Yeah. And they were twenty cents a game. They were yes. And, and if you wanted, and if you wanted to play, and someone else was on, say, the pinball machine, you'd put your twenty cents on the side while they were playing, and then you could go kind of walk off, get a bottle of coke or something, correct, and then come back. And you were next in line, almost like a pool table where you put your yeah. money. So the the best, I mean, I can I can almost smell the smells from those days. We and I'm not talking about the fish and chips smell. I'm talking about teenagers going up to the machines, buying a, like what we called a dumpy coke, which was a little thing was like two fifty or something, a glass bottle coke uh, opening that and then um, we would have an opener a coke opener at the fridge it was like a bronze type of color brownish bronze and then it would fall in the the the, the top would actually fall into um, a, a little container and then at the end of the day, I used to go take those those tops and then I would scratch. There was a, like a rubber piece inside and that's where the whole yo-yo thing came yes. about. So you could actually pick those rubber things out and see, okay, if you collect 10 of these, you'll get a, I don't know, a Coke yo-yo or whatever it is or a free Coke. But the smells that I'm talking about is you would have, I mean, and this sounds disgusting, but you'd have these young teenagers, including myself, um, drinking this dumpy Coke. And, um, you know, you'd get, I mean, I didn't smoke, but a lot of a lot of the people there used to buy smokes, and that's where they used to smoke, is quickly have a, a smoke outside come in. So it would be the smoke breath, it would be Coke yes. after they burped, disgusting, I know. And then you would have them um, chewing uh, wicks, what we called wicks bubblegum, which was quite a big uh, bubblegum um, that you would just chew and, you know, it was a challenge. You would put as many as, as what you could in your mouth and drink your Coke and blow bubbles and you'd just get all these smells in it, but it was, it was, yeah, good times. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. In those, I was thinking when you were talking about that container that catches the lids and you said at the end of the day you'd go and I was going to say sniff the container yeah. but I, I could I can yes. smell that coca-cola smell it's yeah. delicious it's delicious yeah. it is delicious coca-cola's yeah. got a great smell yeah. but then mix that with a bit of wix and a bit of cigarette smoke and you've got it made yeah Bob's your uncle <laughs> <laughs> oh that's such a, oh, such a lovely story and, and the smells you're so right 
I remember going into cafes and smelling the the freshly baked bread and the rolls and you could also smell the arcade machines if they had been used a lot and they were overheating. Yes. That electric kind of Yeah, you would have to smell. switch it off for a bit if you were uh, you know, quite a few teenagers playing, you would actually have to switch it off for a while because it used to heat up so much. <laughs> and you go and do whatever, go ride your BMX home quickly, do some homework, come back, and when yeah. you got back, it was cooled off and you would, yeah. The best place, such a lovely meeting place. We had one down the road, the one that I was talking about. We actually had one down the road and one up the road. The one down the road was called. Darrenwood something something and that's the one where I remember looking outside for the bottle caps people mm. would go and buy their bottle of coke or Fanta and take the lid off and just drop the lid on the floor or something I'm wondering why they didn't use the opener because you needed an opener to do it but anyway we'd, we'd scavenge around for these bottle tops and then that's where we played yo-yo outside the shop yeah. because you know you got your yo-yos and we were true to where we actually earned those from mm -hmm. because of that shop and then we played them outside and there was another shop up the road that was next to a petrol station and I remember going into that one buying packs of stickers and there was the Smurf stickers Payo I think was the, the brand and then you, you could buy your book your sticker yes. book and then it's a mystery pack of stickers and you, you buy the stickers and you stick them in the correct place yeah. in your book and you try to fill the book up. So that was the, the second shop. And I'd cycle up there on my BMX with my cousin, Eugene. And you know Eugene, you yeah, met him. Yeah, I do. And we would go up there and my mom would let us go. We were young and she trusted us to go up there. And we crossed, a, you know, one, two main roads go up there and get our stickers and we'd arrive at the shop and leave our bike on the floor mm -hmm. outside not lock it up that's exactly what the kids did at our place yeah. and we used to play hours inside and the, and the bikes would still be there yeah wonderful yeah. and we knew the the owners and they were so kind and friendly to us and were and they I'm, greek i think the one down the road darrenwood one i think they were portuguese and I'm not sure the one further up, they might have been Greek or Portuguese, I don't really know. They spoke English to us. Yeah. They, they yeah, I can't remember. But they were always so lovely. And I know they were selling us stuff, but, you know, I don't think they were just being friendly because they were getting our business. I mm. think it was, it was such a lovely community feel. And those sticker books were, were my favorite. Yeah, Absolute I loved favorite. them too. And then the Garbage Pail Kids stickers came in with a stick of chewing gum. And I did an episode well, about Garbage yeah, Pail Yeah, I Kids. remember that, yeah. And did you have stickers in the shop? We did, but I can't, for the life of me, actually remember exactly which stickers we got. I just know that that we did have stickers and that I I, I was privileged because I didn't have to pay for them. So, But I did have to ask. You know, so even though I had free reign, I didn't really have free reign because there was a limit to, to things. Yeah, I wasn't going to eat into the profit. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I did that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hence, you had teeth troubles. Correct, correct. And I'm still missing a couple. You can ask your mom. She'll, I know, she's <laughs> she teases told me. me about she's that. She's told me. <laughs> 
but it was um yeah it was it was good memories and um yeah it was good times definitely pioneers and mm. i think it's so, such a beautiful story you know your family made that move from cyprus and came over and started something up and changed people's lives i know the the corner shops or the cafes changed my life i've got such happy strong memories of these places and the food they made and the care they took and the the range of things and if they weren't for those shops i wouldn't have seen my first pac-man machine i wouldn't have seen my first pinball yeah. machine and it's it's just it's so so wonderful that that happened and then you were able to learn from that and you've gone on to study and get your degree and become successful and it sounds like your brother and sister did the same and you know your parents gave you that that foot up and that opportunity yeah definitely i i you know i i don't um one thing that 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 people think is that you know if you own a shop it's it's basically um oh you make a lot of money and you know but honestly you don't because what you what you putting in especially in a takeaway and stuff um uh, what you're putting in is is not is is going to your customers you know so you you you're just turning the money over all the time it's not yes i mean you earn your bread and butter but it it wasn't extravagant at all especially with a corner cafe because um i i'd say if you've got a spa yes you make a bit more money but this was just honest um hard hardcore work and um it's long hours i i never the negative of that was that i never ever went on holiday with my family and obviously it's too late now because my mm. father's passed but and we've all got we've all grown up and gone our separate ways but um you know the the idea of many of my friends saying yeah they went on holiday with the with their mom and dad and siblings to the beach or wherever we never did that mm. so that's the negative um but i i got um uh, i got a lot of um i established friendships with different cultures and and different people from different backgrounds and and that was a positive for me and your parents learned pretty much three languages english afrikaans greek oh they didn't learn that they knew they that they knew or, that well, yeah. they learned it from babies yeah course, yeah but still and it was a it yeah. was something you know um and then african languages as well thrown in you know thrown in yeah just to communicate with mm. with the black people because um we we in in the area that we had our shop there were a lot of um sort of factories in fact we had a dog food factory which was one of the smells that was horrendous epol it's a it's yes epol was so a big it was brand. horrible um that was the smell on our way home <laughs> you know you'd pass the factory but a lot of the black people a lot of the white people all kinds of people would come to our shop they would walk about a kilometer and a half just to come to our shop during lunchtime while they're walking back to the factory have their burger and their chips and coke and whatever and by the time they got back they had full bellies and could work again yeah. and they made that extra effort you know because they knew at Johnny's shop you would get the best you know so that that was a, a positive for me 
Yeah, you said that the shop was in the West Rand, and you, I think the words you used were the lower end of South Africa. What did you mean by that? So I'm saying, um, if you look at the map, okay, we, we sort we're not at the lower end of South Africa. It's more Cape Town is more lower, but uh, we the area that we um, had our shop in was was Rudaput West. Now the connotation with West is when you think of West in South Africa, you usually like a Krugersdorp West, Florida West. It usually gives you the idea that it's a bit of a poor area. So. Um, in those times, it wasn't, it was a hard working class area, but as time went on, it became a poor area, you know, and when, um, you know, and I think we sold at the right time because it also w started, you know, crime started picking up, people were uh, unemployed, so that's what I mean, it, it was a little bit of a, it became low class mm -hmm. instead of, you know, middle uh, class almost, hardworking, yeah. And your, I think, hardworking factory workers came to your shop and you probably sold food for reasonable prices Definitely, and yeah. for everyone, yeah. which is nice to hear. Yeah. I think I would, I'd lo I love to talk for ages and I'm sure we will talk for, for more, but for this recording, I think we'll um, start to wrap it up. I hate it. I hate ending things. <laughs> I, if I'm at a friend's house and I have to leave where friends are at my house, I get really like, oh, frustrated. And I leave all my stuff all over the place. And I say to people, oh, you know, they, they mention that they, they've got to go. Or if I'm at their place, I've got to go. But I said, don't worry, I'm going to be fiddling around for a while, like collecting all my <laughs> bits and pieces. But I hate it. But we're, it's okay. It's okay. We're in, we're enjoying ourselves, and we'll have this as a memory. And definitely, Erica, I can't wait to. A treasured memory back. for me, I must say. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much, and thank yeah. you for joining me and doing it. And I had one more question to ask you. I know you love music, and I, I love music too. And I think you 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 probably know that as well. And you've got the most amazing voice. My mom sent me. A video of you singing I think someone was playing a piano somewhere and you were singing and I've heard snippets of you singing with Jacques who's my other cousin yeah and you've got a, a beautiful voice and you know what you like you know the types of songs you like where did you learn about music and I was wondering if it happened in the shop did you play music while you're in that shop or where did it come from no I we didn't have music in the shop um, but my dad I think it comes from my dad my dad after having a couple of drinks on a Sunday because on a Sunday we used to open the shop from seven till one and then he would have come home we would have lunch and then he would you know um, sit and have his relaxation time either watching the rugby or something on TV um, but he loved um, Greek music and so I, I developed, I think, my, my love for music with him. But while I was at home, I, I almost hated the music because of, of just memories. Um, but now, as an adult, I love Greek music. I can appreciate it. I, I understand the words. I understand what they're saying. And it's so, so passionate. I wish, uh, you know, when I play Greek music, I wish that everybody would just understand Greek for that moment 
Um, but also, I went to a convent school, um, and we, you know, part of the whole chapel being Catholic, they were Catholic, um, and Greek Orthodox is very, I'm Greek Orthodox, and they're very close to uh, being Catholic, and that just appealed to me, and um, we could sing in the choir, and mm. when I then left the convent, so that's also a passion for music that I developed there, and then when I left the convent um, and joined a church, um, I was able to sing in the choir there. So I look, I, I can't say whether I've got a good voice or not, but all I know is something comes out when you sing, yeah, whether it's yeah. good or bad, it doesn't matter. Just there's something there. Yeah, I always think a great voice is someone speaking to us from the other side. You know, they they're channeling some energy and they're sharing it with us. Yeah. And when I hear your voice, I feel the same. And I wish I had a song prepared for tonight or something for us to sing, but. I don't. Um, unless you have anything you want to sing or... No, don't know. Well, if you've got something in mind, we can. But if you yeah, don't, then... I, I, yeah, I was a bit slack. I, was, I, I just didn't organize anything in time. But interesting is that the church came into it with, with singing and church choir and church music. And I know a lot of artists yeah. learned from church music. And I, I think Elvis was one of them. He picked up a lot from the church music. And, yeah, to sing in a choir must be amazing. All those voice instruments together and blending as one. Yeah. Sounds so nice. Um, oh, so many more stories. I've got so many ideas, but let's let's finish it here and enjoy the fire and the evening. And thank you so much. I'm going to leave... A pack of well your choice you can have the sour jawbreakers or the fireball jawbreakers i think i'm going to go for the fire good choice yeah we should try one tonight i think we should yeah i think we should do it and um I, and there you go so enjoy those thank you and Let's thank you for having me and spending time with with your mom and i and um yeah it's great to have you here in south africa and in your home we you partly grew up, yeah. But um, yeah, just to say that you you are like a brother to me, so thank it's an you. honor. This and is awesome, and it's reciprocated. You are like a sister to me, and thank part you. of the family. And it's just so lovely to be here. And I'm I'm leaving tomorrow, but I'm going to be talking about it. Yeah, no, <laughs> me too. And um, this is one part one podcast that I'd like to. Yeah, reminisce on yeah, for it, days it to come. There, yeah. A little gift for us all. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Warren. What's in your shed? What's in your shed? Pictures and treasures and the books that we read. What's in your shed? What's in your shed?